The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. Great to be with you on a Tuesday. It's Hale Bar City Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, and uh, loaded up plenty of football thoughts today. Steve Marek from Hale Bar City going to join us as Nebraska keeps on keeping on in the portal. Uh, our friend Mitch Sherman from The Athletic in about 20 minutes or so. And then a Tuesday with Kaz. I had to laugh today because, well... <laughs> Eric Dickerson has a memoir coming out, the great back for the Rams, the finally uh, college football Hall of Famer, a uh, subject of Podia Excess, the 30 for 30 about the Wild West and cheating of SMU, the uh, dreaded payroll to meet by a bunch of J.R. Ewing types in the late 70s. And uh, the, the, the joke was that Texas A&M tried to get Eric Dickerson a Trans Am. Well, uh, there was some creative math that went on, and apparently uh, Eric Dickerson's grandma got him the Trans Am, but it was financed by A&M. That urban legend uh, has been revealed. I, that story was out, and an excerpt from his book made me chuckle today. Uh, what, what can you do back in the day of the NCAA when they had teeth? What's A&M going to do? Son, we're going to repo this Trans Am we illegally gave you. $50,000 cash later, but uh, that was pretty funny. So we'll, we'll dive into some recruiting uh, hijinks with uh, Coach Kaz. Coming up here in the 5 o'clock hour. Numbers to dial up, get in. 466-3776-466-3776-800-825-5865. can email the show, chris at hailvarsity.com. Give us a follow on Twitter. If you like, and follow ESPN Lincoln at Hale Varsity. Uh, Elijah's Twitter handle at Herbal Essence and then at Schmidt Radio. Make that at Schmidt underscore radio for Chris Schmidt. Some more gets for Nebraska. We spent a lot of time on Chuba Pretty yesterday and uh, what it means to grab him for Nebraska. And uh, also today, the good news for Nebraska, Juco defensive back Javier Morton has added to the secondary. Good size on him. We'll kind of break that down here in a moment. Nebraska basketball still breaking hearts, Elijah. Tough one against Indiana. Their eighth straight conference loss, 78-71. It was there for the taking, but then Nebraska did. Nebraska thinks we'll hear from Coach Hoiberg in just a little bit here this segment. So going to dive in here. And let's let's big picture things as school's underway for Nebraska. 
winter conditioning, all that good stuff you have. Five quarterbacks on campus. You have a pretty full running back room right now. There's still some pieces to be added on the offensive line. You lose a guy like Will Honus, and I know he's been oft injured, but man, he's a do-it-the-right-way type guy. So it's 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 a situation where you, uh, as a Nebraska fan, are are cautiously optimistic about what the spring, the summer, and uh, let's fast forward to fall, what it can be to finally get over that hump. And you've got a good situation at quarterback. Uh, is that blind faith on my part? Probably. But there's a little substance to this right now with Mark Whipple. The combination you have with Whipple, you have the skill people that uh, Coach Joseph's going to have a handle on. Uh, you know what Apple White, you believe you know what Apple White can do and take it from Joe Glenn yesterday. You're getting a good one at running back coach to, to find two to three guys that can carry the football for you. And, uh, you know, uh, a guy with the last name Arriola couldn't be fierce for you on the offensive line where they're going to be physical and mean and and open holes. But it really makes things go at quarterback, and you look at all the programs that have ascended to get over that hump from a from a 10 and 2 or a 9 and 3 or an 8 and 4 and there's been lots of programs that, that have been hovering around that good to great right think of K-State right think of Kansas State and their ascension this goes back a ways but but think of think of where they were at with a with a game changer and a, and a Michael Bishop right they were number one in the country face mask included on crouch i get it but K-State was damn good with Bishop before that was Chad May, just going back to old school Big Eight. Switzerland always stack the quarterback spot with some magician that could run the wishbone. Coach Osborne did the same thing. When you get a Gill and when you get a, a Frazier and have a Beringer, and then you get a Scott Frost and then you get an Eric Crouch, I mean, the succession is what's the sustainability. Dabo, right? You have uh, uh, Deshaun for a while before that was Taj Taj Boyd and and then you have Sunshine right and and I always call him Sunshine Uh, but Lawrence was was big time and he was really good as as young as he was but those are some examples and then Bama made the shift from game manager to playmaker and they've had a succession of quarterbacks same with Oklahoma right the 2.0 version of OU so Nebraska's trying to find that Difference maker at quarterback. And you had a, a guy that really came in and stabilized and did, did good things in, in the form of Zach Taylor. And then you have the Joey Gans. And then you had the uh, the Adrian Martinez. And then you had uh, make that Taylor Martinez. First time in the history someone screwed that back up the other way. You, you had T-Magic and then you had Tommy Armstrong, right? And, and now uh, you have a situation right now where you lose a guy that's been here for a long time in Adrian. Well, you have five to choose from, and you've got to go develop one to be the guy, and then you got to have a solid backup, and you need you need three. Okay, you have five. You don't want to you don't want to run anyone off, but that just isn't the world of college football right now. 
And for Nebraska and Coach Whipple in this offense, we'll get into this with Mitch Sherman. You know, what do the prospects look like for Nebraska on paper and on film? It looks really good to have a guy like Casey Thompson because of his experience and his accuracy and his poise coming in. Big picture, you look at a guy and, and all of the, the upside, the ceiling for a guy like Pretty. I'm still a big Harburg guy. He's a local kid, and he has some physical tools that I think could be pretty big time. What we don't know is the patience and the perseverance part in today's climate and portal, Elijah. That's it. You can have a lot of good quarterbacks stick out, stay, get better, wait their turn. You can count on one hand. How many guys have, air quote, waited their turn and kept getting better and better and better? Uh, I, I think you see it in, in the form of Pickett recently with Pitt. I think you see it in the form uh, of a guy in, in Mac Jones that only started one year at Alabama, but he was behind some really, really incredible quarterbacks that we just highlighted and detailed. But Mac was a guy that, that waited his turn, but not many do. I'm wondering if, if Nebraska can can be different in that way. Not only get a, a game changer at quarterback to run this offense, like a Mariota or a Milton, somewhere, someone of that ilk that's that talented, but can you go get a quarterback and then that second quarterback that's ready to take the air quote handoff uh, when whoever starts their time is up. That'll be big time. That'll be difference making. And you got to get it on solid ground and at a high level bowl bowl eligible or better level for 2022 but let's let's think bigger picture there because you have five and they're all going to compete their butt off and they all have strengths but there can only be one guy and Whipple needs to find that one guy and then a 1B and you say five but really you could count six um, because Richard Torres come back off the uh, the knee injury, and then you also have Matt Masker, uh, neither of whom are really. Uh, You're not planning on next year. No, I'm not planning on having these guys be a part of the the quarterback competition come fall camp. But when you think who is going to be a part of that competition, I think there's four guys that realistically are going into spring ball thinking I need to I need to go in there and put my best foot forward because I want to be a part of this quarterback competition. It's going to be Casey Thompson, uh, Chubba Purdy. It's going to be Logan Smothers, and it's going to be Heinrich Harburg. Those are going to be the four guys coming into spring ball that are going to say. I need to show what I'm worth right now uh, to let these coaches know I need to be part of this quarterback competition come fall camp. And you got to think it's two, maybe three guys that are realistically going to be part of this quarterback competition come fall camp, uh, whether it be by attrition, whether it be by uh, the coaches just deciding, you know what, these are the three guys we're going to work on developing the most in fall camp and see what we can get out of them. But you can't have a, a, a really... I would say a four-man quarterback competition in fall camp because you need to start getting your starter reps uh, with the first teamers. You really need to have a, a a short list of guys you think it could be and it's I think it's either Smothers Thompson or, or Purdy uh, I guess we don't really we haven't seen much of Harburg so we don't know but you got to think it's going to be one of those three guys trying to, to or that's going to differentiate themselves in spring ball and, and say uh, I want to be number one in the depth chart entering fall camp and I, I couldn't give you a name out of those three, which I think is the favorite. I mean, Thompson because of his Thompson's starting experience. Your, Thompson's your favorite, but and, but coming into a new offense, you kind of have to throw all that out. Well, you're not gonna. He, he's got the experience. I'll give you that. No, he's got the experience and and he's got the accuracy and he, th- there's the expectation. His and probably the coaches. 
that you're going to be our starter because we lost a four-year guy. And that's it. And, and that's the big difference maker is you go get a guy with experience to come in, even though it's a new setting, a new scene, a new offense, go do your thing. Now, what you know, best case scenario is you have a guy like Casey win the job outright, leave no doubt, gives you the best chance to win, can make throws, not have turnovers, run the offense, and, and score enough points and stay healthy in the Big Ten. But honestly, from an experience, and although it's a new system, a guy that's familiar, guys that on the team root for, you'd hope that Smothers, while you don't want to be a backup, if you get beat out fair and square in the race, does he go somewhere else and find a, a, a spot? I'm not worried if that answer is yes. I'm not going to judge and hate on that. I get it. But it'd be really cool to have him as a guy with minimal, but at least one game starting experience to be a backup. And then you've got your two developmental guys. I mean, Harburg's been here a little while, but COVID year's screwy. Last year's last year, and then now you have the transition. So it's it's kind of starting at, at square one again. But the guy that I guess I don't – the guy I don't want to lose most right now is Hartberg. If I'm putting a Nebraska fan hat on and I'm calling it like, okay, let's just project arm talent, upside, all that stuff, the local side, you know, put that off to the side here being a, a Nebraska kid, I just think Harburg – Sky's the limit for him with his size, his talent, and and his ability. And then you pair it with uh, with uh, with with Whipple. I think Pretty's a nice get. It's a splash. It's a Florida State guy. It's a it's number six ranked overall dual threat guy. It's a guy that's been injured, and I think Pretty can be really good. And I think he'd be really really good uh, paired with Whipple. But Nebraska is is in a in a great spot where there'll be competition, and there'll be. Uh, some talent backing up whoever wins. Uh, it's just got to get kind of fast-tracked. Let's get to basketball. We'll spend a few more minutes on this here in about 20 minutes. But Coach Hoiberg, after last night, end-of-game issues, uh, the problem for Nebraska. We'll detail it here a little further. But you know what? Nebraska had chances. They had it cut down to five, and they'd get a stop, and then they would go Nebraska with their decision-making and would would force it they were so ex- best way i can put it is they were so excited to try and keep the momentum going uh their decision making they got caught up in shot selection or lack thereof right you, you forced things you took bad shots you didn't execute and a four-point deficit or a five-point deficit turned into seven because you had those four to five point possession swings where you get a stop you go down uh you you screw up on the offensive possession boom indiana takes the basketball on a turnover or a rebound comes back down and drills a shot and then you you're you're still climbing that mountain (laughs) and uh, it is just how nebraska basketball is this year here's coach hoiberg 
Proud of the guys for hanging in there, keeping us going. Um, you know, had a couple possessions. Our ball hit every part of the rim. Those are deflating possessions when everything feels perfect coming off your hand. The thing does everything but go in. You know, those are deflating. But our guys kept competing. They kept battling through it. Uh, you know, made the decision not to foul up six. I thought Trey made a great defensive play. Unfortunately, they called a foul on him. But we get that steal. We come down. We got timeouts. We can set up our press. You know, unfortunately, didn't didn't get the call down there at the end. But you know, having Trey out there was a great lift. You see how much better we are with his intensity, uh, with his leadership, with his passion on the defensive end of the floor. Uh, I thought Alonzo had great pressure on the ball and getting deflections. Um, I think nine steals we had on the night. And, you know, again, Trey just gives us a whole different element out there, being able to put him either on the ball or on the other team's best defender. That's going to be huge for us moving forward. So we'll have more from Coach Hoiberg on, on McGowan's return and, Good on him, man. Uh, he's a warrior. You, you got to love his effort and intensity. But what it come, came down to for Nebraska basketball was bad shots, and you see that routinely. It, it, it's not. It, it it's not uncommon. You shouldn't be shocked that this team takes bad shots in key moments. That is their identity. They they just will foul or there'll be a breakdown defensively or there'll be some management at bad times and it prevented a a chance to to get a win against a winless road team in the Big Ten. And it's either I think I can make this play for the team or I want to make this play for the team and it just doesn't go the right way. And we're back. Fellas, I think we could listen to the radio on Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Back in Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. We're efforting Mitch Sherman. You can email the show chris at halevarsity.com and uh, dial up 466 377 Seven six eight hundred eight two five five eight six five. As uh, we'll uh, check in with Mitch in a moment. Mitch had a great story last week uh, on uh, many of Zach Taylor's teammates, and uh, right now you look at Nebraska's first full weekend back on campus, and you have a number of uh, Nebraska players and uh, coaches providing some energy. Right, that's a good opening. Sentence or two from Mitch in his story. We'll get into some of the additions via the portal for Nebraska football. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio at Herbal Essence on Twitter. And uh, also uh, check out the SoundCloud, SoundCloud uh, that gives us the two-minute drill each day. Some highlights, some interviews, some excerpts from today's show. Talking Husker basketball as uh, there were moments Nebraska in late game management that just wasn't good enough. You look at some of the mistakes Nebraska made, specifically uh, a chance to respond. And uh, there's uh, Nebraska had moments here. Bryce McGowan's pulling Nebraska within 71-65, a sweet dunk. And then you get a steal. <laughs> um, that steal was... Very impressive by Derek Walker, who battled foul problems all night long. 
and then you, you go down and what happens? Well, you had a turnover on Verge. And I feel like poor Verge is 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 code for pinata. Okay. So price the the, the reality is this. And and someday Nebraska will will meet that price. They continue to to hand out to other teams with decision making, management, fouls, just decision making. You get more free throws here by McGowan's as Nebraska crawls back within six, and you get a, a another missed layup. Not a turnover, but a missed layup by Verge. And this was tough. This was kind of an angled, off-the-window situation. And you get the offensive rebound by Lat. He was hanging around, and you kick it out. And, Elijah, we get to the point where you kick out to Bryce, and instead of driving again to get downhill – What's he do? He launches a really long three. And when push comes to shove, this team reverts back to what their identity is, and that is selfish. So let's get an update on Mitch here. What's going on? Uh, the studio phone isn't letting us dial out of the studio right now, so I have uh, sent a text message to Mitch, and uh, we are uh, trying to skirt around the technical difficulties. Hmm. So let's hear a little bit more from Hoiberg as he dove in a little bit in on uh, Trey McGowan's, his return. You know, for Trey, as I talked to him and, you know, having an opportunity in my career to come back from a long layoff, it's all about going out there and letting the game come to you and making simple plays. And I thought Trey did a great job of that tonight. And, you know, stepping up and knocking down that first three, knocking down all his free throws, and then again, giving us that huge lift. As far as his minute load, uh, you know, we talked about anywhere from 16 to 22. Going into that, we have a chip that our guys wear underneath their jerseys. When I met with RJ, our trainer at halftime, he said his load was in a perfect spot and we could up his minutes by about three in the second half so that's where the decision was uh, to get him up I believe over 21 um, you know right in line with where we wanted his load to be so it's great to have Trey back out there on the floor and uh, just got to continue to grind we got a great opportunity this week gonna have a good practice time our guys start school tomorrow it's their mandatory off day Uh, but then we get three really good opportunities to practice which we haven't had a lot because of either you know didn't get back from West Lafayette because of a flight delay or a mechanical issue and uh, you know with games being right on top of each other so we'll get three good days of practice heading into Ohio State and hopefully be able to clean some things up. Okay that is enough Nebraska basketball talk we welcome in Mitch Sherman from the Athletic at Mitch Sherman on Twitter. Mitch thanks for the time sorry about the uh, the, the tardiness there but uh, let's get back into Nebraska football here and the Big Red's been doing uh, some wonderful work in the portal and uh, Mitch I gotta ask you this and thanks for joining us here uh, w- let's start with the offense here with we, we know there's a lot of quarterbacks to choose from bud but what do you envision the the Whipple Frost cohesion to look like offensively what's that what's that identity going to look like you know I don't think we're going to know until August there's I, I wrote about this today in the um story that I published on Chubba Purdy coming in now to join Casey Thompson in the quarterback picture. And, you know, the question is, who's the best fit for the Frost-Whipple offense uh, in 2022? And, and I think we need to know before we can even get into that question is, what is the Frost-Whipple offense? And we're not going to get a great sense of that 
in the spring. We're not going to get a great sense of that on April 9th when you've got a bunch of people in the stadium and, and a scrimmage on TV, um, even through August. Um, perhaps with, with some of the, um, you know, some of the things that are said about personnel decisions leading up to the season opener, you'll be able to get a feeling. And, and you know, you can, of course, look at Mark Whipple's offense at Pitt, most recently seeing what he did with Kenny Pickett, the kind of passing game that they featured, and, and, and then also, you know, meshing with what Scott Frost likes to do with his quarterbacks and with the offense at Nebraska. Um, certainly saw Frost incorporate the option and more QB run into the system this year, but, um, you know, how does that stay uh, with Mark Whipple coming in and, and Mark Whipple presumably calling the plays? Uh, we're not going to know. We're not, we're not going to know until we get into uh, into the season, I, I would say. You know, time will tell with it. What do you think of the quarterback room? I'm not asking you to handicap the, the favorite here as winter conditioning's going on, but uh, we know what, what Thompson's shown in the Big 12. Uh, you know, you got uh, Purdy coming in uh, that is got a high ceiling and you know, Smothers has been on campus, and, and of course, Harburg and Torres, the part of the, the early signing period. I'm the, the one quarterback I'm really excited to see work with Whipple is going to be Harburg. That, that's who I'm picking. What quarterback are you most excited to see? Yeah, I think long term, Harburg is, is uh, you know, really fascinating um, with his size and his arm and what he can do. Um, you know, there's the question of how long Mark Whipple's going to be at Nebraska um, and, you know, whether he'll, he'll ever get to the point, whether he has, he's a success or the opposite of that in his time at Nebraska. Is he ever going to get to the point where he works through these transfers and Heinrich Harburg gets an opportunity to be the guy? I mean, who knows? It could, it could be fast. It could be this year. Um, any, of the, any of the quarterbacks, you know, presumably it won't be Richard Torres, but any of the others, you know, have an opportunity to be able to win this job. Or, or I don't think they would even, even be staying through the spring. You know, even, even in the case of Harburg, um, who was recruited by a different quarterback's coach to, to run something of a different system, after one year, if the whole thing had changed in his mind and he didn't have an opportunity, there's not a whole lot of reason to stick around. Um, so the same goes for sure for, for Logan Smothers. Um, so I think all of those guys have a chance, but I, I would say that when it comes to Harburg, he's the least likely, I think, to be taking reps with the number one offense when spring practice opens. I think the other three all are going to get looks right away uh, with, with behind Nebraska's first offensive line, what, whatever that is. And that's an entirely different conversation that's equally as important. But, um, but yeah, I mean, long-term, if – if they're both in Lincoln, uh, Harburg and Whipple, I think, is a really intriguing pairing because of what Whipple likes to do with his quarterbacks and everything that's there on the upside for, for Heinrich Harburg as a big, strong, um, mobile, athletic quarterback. Mitch Sherman, few minutes with us here on Hale Varsity Radio at Mitch Sherman on Twitter. Read him with The Athletic. And, uh, Mitch, uh, a thought here with the, the running back room. And uh, I know Nebraska 
had uh, some issues with the the portal and a and m's jackson but nebraska able to pick up a big time get with the uh the new mexico military institute juco player uh running back 1700 yards uh is nothing to sneeze at how do you feel about the running back room again we're all saying yes the o-line's got to be money but you've got options at quarterback and you've got it, it feels like a pretty full running back room uh, with some experience there in Ramir uh, and uh, of course uh, Johnson coming in from Minnesota and some guys that uh, are still around that, that can make a push. Yeah, Anthony Grant, the JUCO uh, transfer from New Mexico military, won a junior college national championship. Um, a kid from Georgia, you know, like Gabe Irvin. Um, Gabe Irvin is maybe a guy that uh, could get overlooked uh, coming out of 2021 because of the injury that he suffered. But, you know, we remember last spring when he was uh, the talk of camp, um, and that extended into August and into the early portions of the season. We did see some good things out of him before the injury. And with another year after he rehabs, you know, with whatever he's been able to continue to learn about um, playing at this level as he rehabs and has already rehabbed and then you know, the, the, the next set of, of chores for him will, will be to put him on um, even playing field with the rest of the backs and that they're all going to be learning a new system. Um, I'm interested to see what, what Gabe Irvin does in year two, and, and he's maybe a dark horse to, to be the top guy. Um, Ramir Johnson would be probably the favorite because of the way that he emerged last season. Um, but, you know, he has limitations. Um, he's not as much of a between-the-tackles guy as, as some of the others in that running back's room, although he showed that he's capable of doing that. I just don't think at, at his size that, that going through the Big Ten, you're going to continue to to, uh, to put him in that position and have him be affected. He, he, got, he got a little bit um, beat up at the end of the season. Um, Yant yeah, is, is uh, intriguing um, if he stays in shape and, you know, what another season could be for, for what another year in the program could mean from him, for him. It's wide open, um, really, uh, probably more so than the quarterbacks. You, know, you, you said you wouldn't want to put a favorite tag on anybody here in January in the quarterback's room. Well, I think with Casey Thompson, it's, it's fair to do that because of his age and his experience and what he did last year and starting 10 games at Texas. Um, not to say that he's, he's uh, you know, a heavy favorite, but, but he's definitely the guy probably in the driver's seat going into this thing. Um, and I don't know there, if there is that that player at running back. Uh, I don't know if if if, you, if I would characterize Ramir Johnson in that in that same way um, because of of all of the, the the physical gifts that the players behind him, including Grant, um, the newcomer out of JUCO, uh, appear to have. So it's 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 going to be much like last year where Ryan Held, the running backs coach, had to learn wanted to learn a lot about his group in spring practice and then didn't get that opportunity because of, of uh, a number of those players being injured. It really set that, that group back through the offseason. And, you know, you hope if, if uh, you're Brian Applewhite that you've got all of those legs uh, available and ready to run in those 15 practices uh, that are upcoming. Mitch, I'm up against a hard break. I need two minutes on the other side to talk Bengals. Can we? Yeah, we can do that. All right, sure. Hang on, bud. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Couple extra minutes, some overtime with Mitch Sherman. Hale Varsity Radio. Follow Mitch on Twitter at Mitch Sherman from the Athletic. Mitch really enjoyed your story as you caught up with some of Zach Taylor's teammates last week. Bengals on to week two of the NFL, 
and uh, what it, it's really awesome. Uh, it would have been fun uh, last Saturday to be out uh, at the bars with old Zach uh, for one last time. <laughs> yeah, he went to the bar uh, after the game, <laughs> and uh, you know he said in the locker room that he wanted to give the game ball to the city of, of uh, Cincinnati. So. Uh, and that was a good way to do it, to just go to the bar and, and, and bring the ball. Uh, it would be interesting to see if uh, you know, that becomes a tradition. Um, and I know Cincinnati wants there to be the opportunity for it to become a tradition because it would mean more playoff wins starting, starting this uh, Saturday against uh, the top-seeded Tennessee Titans. So quite a story um, for uh, the 38-year-old former Nebraska quarterback um, to, to be in this position at this point in his career, his first head coaching job um, to uh, have now won the, the first game uh, in the playoffs for the Bengals since 1991. Um, incredible to, uh, to see, and, and it was enjoyable for me in putting that story together last week ahead of that, that playoff game uh, to talk to Joe Gans and Corey Ross and, and Jay Moore and Zach Potter, uh, Tim Cassidy, the, 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 uh, the former associate AD who was was Bill Callahan's right hand man, and, and you know, um, you know, people have their their thoughts, mostly not great about Bill Callahan and, and his time at Nebraska. Um, he was not uh, the right fit at the right time to to be the Nebraska coach long term, and and um, you know that's that's really not debatable. But the two years that Zach Taylor was his quarterback were, um, you know, were two pretty good years, especially in the context of what uh, Nebraska is going through right now. They won eight and nine games in. Uh, or nine and eight in, in 2005 and, and 2006. And Zach set the school record for career touchdown passes despite uh, being in Lincoln for just two years. Um, it set him on, on his path to, uh, to get into coaching um, and, and ultimately to get to this place with the Bengals and, and be united with Joe Burrow, who, of course, has his own set of uh, Nebraska connections through his family. So mm-hmm. really a fun story to watch um, in Lincoln and, and around Nebraska for, for Zach to be doing what he's doing at, at this age, how many at, con- at any age, really. Yeah. How many converted Bengal fans are there now? You've got Vikings and, and yeah. Broncos and Chiefs fans all over and Green Bay fans, of course, but there's a lot. Uh, th- there might be an Internet run on, on Bengal gear. Yeah, for sure. I got one in my house. I got a I got a converted Bengals fan in my house. My wife is is uh, a Zach Taylor fan um, and a Sarah Taylor fan. Um, they worked together for a, a really short period of time um, at Nebraska. Uh, uh, my wife and and Sarah um, and uh, you know have have uh, we followed um, Zach's career and in, in his life and and the birth of their uh, four kids. Um, you know from his time at Texas A and M to Miami and, and he was at the University of Cincinnati. Um, and then with the Rams and Sean McVay before he got this job. So um, I, I don't think that, uh, that, that, that she is alone, um, that, that, that Shannon, my wife, is alone in uh, being a, a converted Cincinnati Bengals fan. Um, they're an easy team to, to root for when you, when you look at that, uh, that young roster um, and, and the guy in the, in the head coach's uh, seat is, is playing a big role in that. Mitch, we'll let you go. Thanks uh, for your time today, bud, and, and great stuff. Yeah, good to talk to you. Thanks, Chris. Take care. Mitch Sherman with us. Hail Varsity Radio. Uh, Mitch with The Athletic at Mitch Sherman on Twitter. So you have Bill Conley that came out with games of the year. You had your top 50 countdown. And you know it was a special type of hell when you're Nebraska. And you have your own section. Your own section 
in college football's 50 best games of 2021. Bill starts out with some of the Big 12 classics, okay? And then you you shift on down, yeah, mid-40s to, I mean, like five of them, right? And you were there. You were watching. Some of you went on the road for him. Then there's Nebraska, a whole new twist and turn to the uh, most interesting and agonizing three and nine football team. Elijah, this is pretty crazy. It's remarkable to see again, even though we all kind of lived it between the Big 12 classics. And then you say, oh, yeah, the Nebraska losses. No way a three and nine team ever, uh, unlike any other. Right? You have a, a top forty caliber team that kept finding ways to lose. Oklahoma, Nebraska, Wisconsin, Nebraska, Michigan, Nebraska, Sparty, Nebraska, Iowa, Nebraska. To have your own section in top fifty games of twenty twenty one is an honor and a curse, and it's now. Highlighted forever. I can't tell you which one's more painful. I mean, we kind of had this talk in the fall, but now you step back from it for a little bit. And you're like, well, you could make an argument for all of them. (laughs) If it wasn't so painful, it'd almost be funny. It'd be funny with somebody else. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. If it's somebody else. When it comes to, to, to close losses. It's just, and it's it's incredible how it just permeates throughout the whole university, too. It's like the Husker football team losing all these close games to good teams, uh, but they can't find a way to win at the end. The Husker basketball team in close games at the end against uh, good teams, they can't find a way to do it. I just, it, it's, it's so incredible and so almost bizarre how it's afflicting the major men's Nebraska sports. Yeah, I mean, you can even throw in the the regional against Arkansas. Well, if if you want to talk baseball, they had a lead going to the seventh inning. No, I I get it, and I, I don't quite throw baseball in there because baseball had a lot of impressive wins. They went and took a game right mm-hmm. from the get go against Arkansas, and to be quite frank with you, you had some, and I know you're an umpire. <laughs> but you had some, and I don't. I don't like blaming officials either. Trust me, because it's open season on whether you wear an ump mask or a striped shirt on the football field or the basketball court. It is open season. Some of it deserved, but that was some squeezing to this day <laughs> going on. And you and your mustache. You're, I mean, you're already in, in mid-season form with the, the stash. I'm, I'm you, so you are so ready to call balls and strikes. I get it. But, and there were some calls, obviously, JoJo in Michigan, uh, and the no call at the uh, the goal line where poor Betts got mugged. I get it. It wasn't, it wasn't all perfect, but Nebraska baseball is clearly like they're in quarantine from the other men's sports, thank God. We'll wind down Hour 1. Coming up, Steve Marek from Hale Varsity. A Tuesday with Kaz. Rick Kaczynski on the way. Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And now. And now. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. 
What final time this hour? Hail Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. And uh, big thanks to Mitch Sherman. That'll be up. It is up on the ESPN Lincoln on-demand section on ESPNLincoln.com. Also, check it out on Twitter at ESPN Lincoln. A reminder about buckling up. Game preparation and, uh, of course, uh, repetition predict success and winning. Drivers and vehicle passengers who always use their seatbelts will increase their survival chances if a crash should happen. Remember to always buckle up. A message from the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. Okay, so you can pick one game this weekend to go to. I can't send you, otherwise I would. But what are you feeling here? Do you want to see uh, Tampa? Do you want to see... The Bills in Kansas City? That'd be that'd be easier to go to. What's the what's the matchup this weekend you're most excited about? We're gonna catch up with our old buddy Searles to get some NFL thoughts on Thursday for the playoff weekend. I think Bengals Titans sounds like a real uh, there's not a there's not a bad matchup in the AFC. There's really not a bad matchup across the entire division around this weekend. There's not you can't go wrong with this choice here, I don't think, because uh LA and Tampa Bay is gonna be incredible. Great game. It should be fun. Uh, um, San Fran and Green Bay is even going to be fun because it feels like San Francisco has been hitting their stride at the right time, but now they got to go march into Lambeau. Uh, what a place to go watch a playoff game that is, Lambeau Field. That would be incredible. Uh, Kansas City at home uh, hosting the Buffalo Bills. That's going to be a fun one with Josh Allen. Two gunslingers coming to town. Uh, or I guess one gunslinger coming to town, one staying at home, but you know what I mean, mm-hmm. uh, with uh, two of the brightest young quarterbacks. And then speaking of bright young quarterbacks, you have the, the top young quarterback, I'd say, in the league in, in Joe Burrow, uh, heading down to Tennessee, taking on the one seed in Derrick Henry. There's, there's not a bad game this weekend in my book. I don't think you can go wrong. No, it's, it's going to be pretty big time. And, and I know, man, I tell you what, Sunday, huh, Sunday went to a, a local watering hole, and I didn't know I knew so many Cowboy fans. Like, Coach Brett's a big Dallas fan. Uncle, and- Uncle Andy was, was, was waving his Cowboys flag. Like, had it out. Front, uh, front doorstep a block away. And his two little gals say, how about them Cowboys, right? And then I get to this bar I'm at, and... All the all of Carson's buddies' dads, some of our, some of our friends and good folks, they're all Dallas fans from from back in the day, the Irvin Emmett Aikman era. You know, the White House and bales of cocaine. <laughs> you know, the Nate Newtons and and I'm like, my lord, all of you are cowboy fans, and I mean, Uncle Andy's all good because his mom and, and Jay Novacek grew up together, so. He's all good. That's kind of birthright inheritance type deal, <laughs> right? You grow up on on a ranch, and oh, there, yeah, there's there's the Jay Novacek's joint. Okay, cool. So yeah, you can rock the uh, the Novacek jersey. No worries, man. The pride of Gothenburg in Wyoming. But man, there's a lot of closet cowboy fans, and immediately, San Francisco drive one, seven nothing. Drive two, more points. I mean, it was bring another round of Coors for the for the Cowboy fans. They knew how it was going to go. And then towards the end, they're right there. And then mismanagement, right? 
Steve Marek, HaleVarsity.com and Magazine. Next hour, two on the way. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Back into it at Tail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And going to talk some Husker football here and some hoops and some baseball. Steve Mark with HaleVarsity.com and Magazine. And uh, Steve, busy, uh, busy time for Nebraska football. The portal is never off, right? It's like those neon signs you see in bars or the, uh, the old no vacancy at the roadside motel. Uh, your take here, uh, one to ten scale, your level of shock. Nebraska got two quarterbacks here this this uh, extended recruiting season. Did you think they'd pull it off? Yeah. Um, so I guess with with uh, Casey Thompson and and, and uh, Chuba Purdy, both those guys had been named. Um, I guess rumored uh, for a long time before before they actually committed. So I guess uh, like me personally, I always kind of figured that they might um that that might be a possibility that the the huskers would get both of them but um now that they have i mean it's you've got to be impressed really honestly and uh you know looking looking at just what nebraska has in the fold right now with with mark whipple i think i think um you know he he brings kind of a different level that that kids really gravitate to with with you know getting in there and, and being coached by a guy like like uh, coach whipple that's got to like speak volumes, you know, and, and, you know, these, these kids, they want to be taught by him and play under him. And, you know, they see, they saw what he did with Kenny Pickett and, you know, they want to be the next Kenny Pickett too. So um, yeah, it's, it was, you know, it's, it's something that I, I think the Huskers wanted, you know, as much competition as they could um, within the quarterback room. Um, But to get both of them, um, that's, that's absolutely excellent. I I think they're, they're right on, they're right on track for, for doing for accomplishing what they want to accomplish this offseason. Steve, a thought with that Whipple personality and, and resume, right? It's one thing to have the resume, which which Coach Whipple does between Ben Roethlisberger and then from a recency standpoint, you mentioned Pickett. That, that's a wonderful, wonderful timeline. But it seems like his personality is, just in the few times we've been with him, just kind of laid back, but but assertive. So it's it's not just you know your favorite uncle, so to speak. But man, it sounds like he's a guy that can not only develop in season and coach you hard when he needs to, but also uh, lets you get comfortable. And I think that's a big thing between his prospects and his history. He's had a, a pretty good comfort level with the kids he's worked with. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I guess. You know, when I think back, the first time that we saw and um, kind of interviewed uh, um, Coach Whipple, uh, Chris, you were there as well um, that that day in um, Memorial Stadium. Two things that jumped out with me was kind of his attitude. Like like you said, he was laid back, but at the same time, you could tell that there was an edge there. And I think that's something that's really going to go a long way with these uh, new addition quarterbacks that Nebraska is bringing in and and the other two with uh, Logan, Logan Smothers and Heinrich Harburg. Um, I, I found it pr- pretty interesting and, 
and and it was kind of a good story that uh, Ripple was telling about how you know he's never met a really good quarterback that he's worked with in his long career that wasn't a prick. You know, <laughs> he said that, and everybody at the table kind of started uh, giggling and laughing. But you know, it's true. He's right? It's, yeah, he's absolutely right. He said that you know. Ben Roethlisberger, Tom Brady, he's worked with a lot of great, great quarterbacks, and they've just been tricks, all of them. And, and that just really kind of spoke to, uh, you know, this guy really knows his stuff, you know, and, and, he, and he's absolutely correct in thinking that too. And so, yeah, it's, it's just, you know, with him in the fold, you know, and, and another thing, um, another story that he kind of said uh, that kind of resonated with me was, you know, he's not going to try to fit that, you know, uh, square peg in the round hole type thing. He's going to, he's going to learn what these uh, quarterbacks um, in, in his um, quarterback room can do well. And he's not going to make them you know do what they're not comfortable with uh, play calling wise. So, you know, just listening to him talk about football and how he's going to go about things. It really kind of, you know, makes me feel better about the direction of that quarterback room and, and kind of the quarterback play going into the 2022 season here. Steve, I know that quarterback is what's going to be taking all the headlines, but there was really a, a lot of transfer portal additions throughout the entire offense. So, so I want to get your take as we're going uh, into spring ball. What would you say that the, the position group that you're most interested in offense is going to be uh, just in terms of, uh, of who ends up starting, who ends up looking good in spring, and, and who gets some momentum going into fall camp? Yeah, I think one of the, one of the more fun, uh, fun transfer additions, I think, is Trey Palmer, that former – um, according to some recruiting sites, a five-star athlete come from from LSU. He, you know, put some tape on him, and man, that takes some fly. I think, you know, once Trey Palmer steps on campus, and he might already be here, he's he's automatically one of the one of the top athletes on the entire football team. I really like Trey Palmer and what he brings, and you know, as both a receiver and kick and kicking um, kick returner. So, um, the receiver, I guess, um, would be one of the positions that I'm really kind of excited about and and wanting to get some wanting to get some kind of eyeballs on because it's they've got a, a really good room and a really diverse room with that's full of potential that hasn't really shown it yet um here but you know with you know um with Mickey Mickey Joseph in the fold here who knows who knows how that can go um but yeah receiver room and then you know i will always kind of kept an eye on the offensive line because like for all these for all these guys to work and for all these cool you know kind of special skill players that they're that they're getting the offensive line you know if that doesn't mesh and it doesn't go well in 2022 all the skill talent's not going to really matter at least in my opinion so uh yeah with uh, donovan riola trying to you know figure out who's going to play center you know what what, what other kind of pieces on that offensive line, they can get through the transfer portal. I know they got a couple already, um, but they probably want to want um, to add a little bit more um, going on here. So, um, yeah, I I, I think uh, the offensive line is going to be a really key one to keep an eye on here. Nebraska lost uh, Eastern Mississippi, I think, uh, prospect to, to LSU. And that was a, a bit of a blow. They were hoping to get him on campus last weekend. Didn't happen. How you, on shorts, I yeah, believe, shorts. Right? I, you know, I was going to say, was yeah. it short or shorts? But he's off to the Bayou. So, does Nebraska have some other guys on radar, Steve, or is it a situation where okay, they've got who they've got? Winter conditioning starts up. You still have signing day here, the second one yeah. coming up in February, and they'll they'll look maybe either there or 
potentially after spring, after some guys try and defect from spring. My long, long, you know, long question, short, shorter version here. Is Nebraska yeah. done on the O line or not? Do you think they go after some more kids? Oh, I think they, I think they absolutely want to go after more kids for sure. Um, you know, it just you know, with the kind of make or break season that Scott Frost is going into with 2022, he needs all the help that they can get on that offensive line because you know, like I was just like I was just saying, um, with all this impressive and talented skill skill players that they're bringing in, none of it's really going to matter if they can't block for him. So um, I think I'm not really quite sure how far along they are with some other uh, transfer um, possible transfer additions, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, the offensive line is is really is really an area to to look at and keep an eye on and and you know it's it's just really important as we head 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 uh to the 2022 season here let's touch on juco uh defensive back javier morton committing to nebraska and made that announcement and uh pretty good watch on twitter 62185 took his official visit over the weekend and um georgia tech was in the mix but this was a guy that you know, had uh, more than 30 offers in high school. Uh, you still you, you factor in Tommy Hill from Arizona State, Deshaun Singleton. Nebraska's loaded back up, Steve, in that secondary. While you have some guys that have done a, a good job with their current role that can maybe take a step forward with uh, winning a starting spot, uh, Coach Fish hasn't been been resting <laughs> at all. What do you like about this addition here with Morton? Yeah, so w- one thing I kind of noticed when he when he popped up uh, through this uh, whole transfer process was his size. I mean, he's got another uh, defensive back in Travis Fisher's room that is over six feet tall. Like you said, he's 6'2", 185 pounds, and that fits right along with almost everybody else um, at safety and corner. I really just, you know, as a football fan, I love big DBs. It's kind of a kind of a, a just a, a weird thing with me. I, I like when the DBs and are are over six feet tall when they're six feet one, six feet two. Um, um, so yeah, it, it's it's kind of more of like a NFL style defensive back de- uh, defensive backfield that they're trying to build over there um, at Nebraska, and I think that's uh, really cool. You know, look at Quentin Newsom; he's he's around six one. Tyreek Johnson, who's trying to crack the lineup that transferred from Ohio State; he's over six feet two and uh, look at the uh, junior college, uh, the other junior college guy with Javier Morton that they brought in, Deshaun um, Singleton. He's about six three and over uh, two hundred pounds too. So it's just a big, big ten uh, backfield that Travis Fisher is building, and it's you know it's you know hopefully these guys can you know flip their flip their hips and run flip their hips with, and run with receivers. Um, but yeah, it's 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 one thing that I've noticed right away is is these uh, size of these DBs and. You know, hopefully they can come down and, and be physical in the run game, too. A few minutes left here, Steve. Before we switch gears, uh, I want to ask about elsewhere on that defense. There's, there's already been uh, Tommy Hill, the, the addition from Arizona State in the secondary room. Huskers uh, doing some work there. But elsewhere on the defense, uh, not much uh, in the way of transfer portal additions along the defensive line and the linebacker core. Uh, would you say that's a, a reason for concern, knowing how many guys Nebraska is losing, especially along that defensive front, and already seeing you know Nebraska lacked a pass rush for most of last season? Yeah, absolutely. That's another. That's a. That's a great point with that defensive line because they are losing um, three big. Uh, I guess um, starters to call them with uh, Ben Stilley, Damon, Damian Daniels, and then even DeAndre Thomas, who's a key rotation guy down there too. So now you're looking at 
you know, guys that are hoping to take the take the leap and take a, uh, take a leap and a bigger bigger step in 2022. Guys like you know Ty Robinson, Jordan Riley, Casey Casey Rogers, Nash Hutmacher, some young guys too. Um, but yeah, I think that you know it would do good. It would do good for Nebraska to try to find a big 300 pounder like uh, Damian Daniels is to kind of just provide more depth and, and a bigger body down there for um, you know that will help in the help in clogging up the run game. So um, you know those two middle linebackers and uh, Luke Reimer and Nick Henry can rack up all those tackles just like they did last year. So, but yeah, I, I definitely think there there might be some. Um, options in the transfer portal with the with the D tackles coming here forward, but we'll see how it all plays out. But yeah, that's that's absolutely a, a key position for them is trying to find a guy that can kind of step into that role that Damian Daniels did so well last year. Steve uh, Husker baseball thoughts: uh, No preseason ranking. Uh, Will Bolt's all about uh, gritty over pretty. That said, uh, you had a, a team with a bunch of momentum, and uh, they're. They're going to use this as the disrespect card. I mean, they'll play hard anyway, but I know how they'll channel it. Do you agree? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's that's one thing. This will be my first uh, first season covering Will Bolt and the Huskers, and and that's absolutely right. You bring up a great point. With you know, if Will, if Will Bolt could start the season every single year unranked, I'm sure he'd want that because that just puts a chip on his team's shoulder, and and I just think that um, you know they. They're going to perform so much better, I think, with kind of keeping that in the back of their minds. Because you know, kids they use anything to get get, get up for games and and kind of want to want to put it to people on the season if they feel like they're disrespected, whether they are or not, <laughs> whether uh, rankings can do that or not. So, uh, yeah, if anything, um, I, I'm sure Hobel kind of likes the fact that you know he, he's going to head into head into the season unranked by some publications. Yeah, but Steve, on, on the other hand, this Nebraska baseball team was a team that really exceeded expectations last season, and they lost some key contributors uh, to the MLB draft last season. So how difficult is it going to be uh, for them to, to live up to expectations when you add to the fact that Nebraska fans are really looking for something to, to pride themselves on, so they're going to have pretty high expectations for this baseball team playing in the Big Ten? Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's, a, that's another great point. And, you know, just look at across the lineup of, of what they're going to be replacing. I think it's the entire um, outfield and, and some of the infield positions too, and not to mention the starting rotation and bullpen too. There's just a lot of holes holes to to fill um, from last season's team that 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 did so well. So um, yeah, it's 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 going to be a process, I guess, and and you know something that will uh, Coach Bolt is going to use the early part of the season to help kind of just play around with different lineups, try try kids at different spots, things like that, and and kind of see. If he can make his and settle on his best lineup that he can, you know, for the conference season, and just you know have things set so when the end of the season is is coming around, he's playing his best ball. Steve, last thought here, about a minute, bud. Steve Morick with us, HaleVarsity.com and Magazine covers football, of course, women's basketball, Husker baseball, at Steve underscore Morick. Follow him on Twitter. Nebraska gets Rutgers at home Thursday night. Chance to take out some frustration. It's been right there for Nebraska. Great win over Michigan. A couple of tough ones against uh, Iowa and then the, the Indiana near miss. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Rutgers coming to town and, and Amy Williams after the game at um, Iowa on Saturday, on Sunday, that second straight loss to the Hawkeyes. She was very, very complimentary of Rutgers, even though they haven't won a conference game yet. They have one of the, one of the better defenses in the, in the in the Big Ten, so she was very complimentary of what the Scarlet Knights are 
are doing on that end. But yeah, you're right. This is an opportunity to get, you know, get the get the the ship on the right track here and and get things get things settled down and get a win another win under the belt and stop this uh, losing streak. And you know, Rutgers is going to be a very uh, very an opponent that that can have that happen against. So. Um, yeah, it's going to be, and it'll be interesting to see what happens with, you know, the, the two guards that um, missed that Iowa game with uh, Sam Heidi with that shoulder injury and, and just uh, safety protocols. So, uh, yeah, hopefully everything will get back to normal and they can get a winner under their belt. Steve, thanks for the extended time today, bud. We'll get back to it and uh, we'll talk again. Thanks so much. Yep, thank you, Chris, and congratulations. <laughs> thank you. He's in his 30s. But sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other. Now, say my name. It's Schmitty on Hale Varsity Radio. I got the body of a caught preteen Swedish boy. Back into it, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Time for a Tuesday with Kaz. Uh, Nebraska and Iowa defensive line coach Rick Kaczynski. Kaz, what do you know? Uh, how's uh, we, I, I'm going to ask you how the weather is because I can brag it about about it being 60 degrees today. Oof, yeah, not 60 down here, man. So got some uh, unseasonably um, cold weather for uh, for the cracks. So up in Greenville, our we got an office up there. I mean, they had uh, they had um, shut down a lot of the. A lot of the doctor's offices and and uh, had some employees that had a hard time getting in. So, yeah, it was rough up there. Uh, you know, Greenville's right on the uh, tip of the mountains there, heading into North Carolina. So, yeah, it gets, gets tough, but Columbia's fine. We just had some cold and wind. But uh, when that stuff happens here, they have to prepare like it's going to happen, and they're not prepared for it to happen. So everything everything shuts down. But, uh, yeah, it's 50, but, you know, 50 here is like uh, minus 22 up there. It seems like that's how these folks down here act. So no. we'll, we'll survive. Stay bundled up. Sent you a story, and I'm anxious to hear what, what Rick Kaczynski drove to high school when it was National Letter of Intent Day. I ask that because Eric Dickerson, in his memoir, finally gave us a little bit of the full Monty about the infamous A&M Trans Am. Yeah. I had a uh, a senior year. I had uh, a 67 Buick Special with a 300 (laughs) nail head in it. It was hot rodded up. It was a cool car, but actually I had a a pretty good... uh, I had a pretty good job in high school, I, and I had a 66 Nova, too, that I bought Ooh. with a 327 four-speed, but I, I paid uh, what I have. had 950 in both cars. I was a senior in high school. It's funny. I just pulled a picture out the other day, showed my son. I had uh, neighbors had to love me. Uh, God, I had good parents, but, yeah, I had two cars. So 17 years old and had two cars at the house, but, yeah. Had a uh, 67 Duke special I paid 150 bucks for and uh, did a lot of legal things in that bad boy there, Schmitty. So, uh, but, uh, yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nobody was buying me uh, uh, gold Trans Ams. <laughs> 
Well, I was going to ask, it was the Red Dragon Street Legal that you were driving, my friend? <laughs> no, you know, Pennsylvania's pretty strict with inspection. I, I, had, uh, I, didn't, have any, uh, I didn't have any exhaust past the... Uh, you know, past the header, so I had I had headers basically. It was like it sounded like a drag. It sounded fast, but it was it was slow. It was a slow car, but I, that sounded cool. It was maroon with a black interior, and and uh, ended up uh, ended up painting it black. But yeah, the Nova. I never got the Nova out of primer. Okay. Never got the Nova out of primer, but uh, that was kind of that was kind of the look back then. It was it was cool, but yeah. Had some brake problems, but uh, <laughs> yeah, neither car was street. It wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't a whole lot legal on either one of those cars. Rick Kaczynski's with us. Well, I, I chuckle at the Eric Dickerson story. We got to interview Dickerson, oh man, years back for the for the Remington Award. He was the, the guest speaker, and he trashed Texas for like five minutes and then I asked him about A&M, and he said, next question. So he didn't want to go into the A&M. But, brother, you've, you've heard it all, I'm sure, on the recruiting trail and just, you know, in the coaching fraternity about just some, some whoppers and some true stories. And then back in the old Southwest Conference, man, it had to be the Wild West. And obviously, it was. Schmidt Rock. I'll do it. It was the... For 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 anybody to think that there they have this this hasn't happened oh, at I, their institution. I, I get They're it. out of their mind. Oh yeah. <laughs> Some are Down worse or just, better at covering oh. up than others is what I'm saying. Oh God, yeah. But yeah, I mean it was uh you know, obviously that well, I think you gotta look at too um I, I think would would magnify the success. Well, one with Dickerson was the type of players they were getting, you know, Craig James and oh, Dickerson, yeah. you just go down the list. And, um, you know, where was it? SMU prior to that. I mean, Three and you know, nine. I know, uh, yeah, I mean, so I think the fact that they jumped up on the map so quickly, you know, magnified it, and that's when the NCAA actually, you know, had a role in some things and people feared them. Um, but, uh you know, and they were, you know, they had oil money back then. You know, you had Dallas on TV, you know, <laughs> big hats, big boots, big buckles, all that stuff. And, and uh, you know, ab- absolutely. I mean, you know, you heard all that stuff in coaching. And, you know, I know a lot of, a lot of older coaches. Uh, you know, there's a lot of guys that retired down here and golf down here and, you know, get together with Coach Ford and Coach Roberts and a bunch of guys I know. And, you know, they tell stories now. Now that they have, uh, you know, now that they're in witness protection, <laughs> and it's just it's it's amazing. Yeah, I mean, I mean, literally, I mean, it's. It, I'm telling you, the, probably one of the most honest guys I've ever met in my life is Coach Ford, and you know, I mean, he he tells a story how Georgia State troopers he had a kid coming on a visit, and they called him from a payphone and said the Georgia State troopers weren't letting him cross in the state of South Carolina. And he let them know what their offer was. And Coach Ford said, well, God dang it. He goes, congratulations on becoming a Georgia Bulldog. <laughs> that, was, that was, you know, yeah, it was just a, just a different time. And, you know, then, too, a lot of the stories you hear from back then were, you know, kids, I mean, literally you could be in the kid's house on signing day. And coaches, coaches not, not necessarily paying the kid, but basically paying handlers 
Mm-hmm. To hide kids, hiding kids out in different states, hiding kids out in hotels. So yeah, it was a crazy time, man. I remember the a, uh, crazy time. the Marcus Dupree story was. I think he was at some roadside motel with an assistant coach and his girlfriend. It wasn't three people to a room, all right. <laughs> they had two. Yeah. They had two cars blocking the entrance of the the roadside hotel until it was sighted day. The other story that was funny: Howard Schnellenberger told me this before years ago when he was with Florida Atlantic. He had that damn corn cob pipe. Well, he'd accidentally leave his pipe you know, uh, on the side of the couch, so he'd have to come back and get it <laughs> and, and, make, okay. make it, and make another okay. and make another visit. This was, this was I, I think this was early days of Miami, right, when he was yeah. at the U, so. Yeah, uh, so, yeah. I mean, it's, that was happening a lot, but it's, it's funny, a lot of the places that you wouldn't think that it happened, no, it, it happened. It happened. And a lot of these squeaky clean head coaches, <laughs> yeah, they, they were involved. They were just a little bit, they're just a little bit cleaner about it. But what was your yeah, sit down like with with Coach Holtz? You know, I mean, it was you know pretty pretty much by the book. I mean, it was it was a different time then. I mean, you, you, it wasn't it wasn't necessarily about what the what the place could offer you it was more about you know what you could offer them and um you know coach Holtz's deal you'd have breakfast at his house on Sunday and you know a lot of times you went on the visit without before you had an offer Mm. so you know Sundays you know there was guys on those visits that didn't have offers and then you know you meet with them and I remember just coming up you know guys would come up from his basement and you know, they'd say, "Yeah, he didn't. He didn't get an offer. I didn't get an offer. I, you know, this kid got an offer. This and that." So it was a little bit. It was a little bit nerve wracking, but but I was there with my parents. And you know, the big thing was with Coach Holtz was was selling. Uh, you know, the the academics and you know the the Catholicism and the spiritual side of it. And and uh, you know, they were they were pretty good. But uh, you know, and then the history and the pageantry and just to tell you the difference in time. I mean. You know, back then, Notre Dame was selling the fact that the locker room hadn't changed since Newt Rockney was the coach there in 25. Jeez. You know, if you did that now, kids would be looking at it like, man, these facilities are ter- terrible. <laughs> well, we looked at that. That was, man, we, you know, it was history to us. It was, man, this, this locker room hasn't changed in all these years. This is great. We're now, it would be considered a bad, it would be considered a, a, a terrible locker room and a terrible facility. You know, so um, you know, it was just a just a different time, different mentality. But you know, it was just pretty straight up. But I was, uh, you know, I did a lot of visits my um, my junior year. My dad took me a bunch of places, so you know, I had met a lot of these coaches and been going through the process with my brother at Penn State. You know, I just uh, you know, when you sit with these coaches and when you go into these places, you, you know, you're you're just you're. To be honest with you, you're just wondering if, if you're ever going to play, if you're good enough. And uh, you know, that's what all I was thinking. And But really with Coach Holtz, it was, you know, pretty much by the book, man. You know, academics and, you know, the, the Catholicism. And, yeah, you know, we got a, you know, we got a chance to win a national championship in the next, in the next four years you're here. And, and 
that was it. But uh, you know, pretty straightforward, man. Me and my parents. But I was fortunate. He he offered offered me. I came upstairs, and I think Mark Edwards was a guy on that visit. Um, you know, him and I. You know, guy that was in my wedding, Mike Dowdy, another guy that was in my wedding, Jeff Kilburn. I mean, probably about five guys that ended up in my wedding were were on that official visit, and that was a big part of the reason I committed to Notre Dame. Because, you know, prior to that, I, I was I, I wasn't going to Notre Dame. My high school coach was one of the winningest coaches in the state of Pennsylvania at the time. He had never had a, a player go to Notre Dame, so. Part of my reasoning for visiting was, you know, kind of an obligation to him, but I was going to visit, and that was that. A couple of days there and get the hell out. I think it was six degrees and snowing <laughs> on my visit. And I'm like, man, this is, this is crazy, but it all works out. all works out for a reason. But even after I committed, um, you know, back then when you committed, you committed. That was it. I mean, there was no talking to any coaches. I, I came in. I remember coming in that Monday. I sat down with uh, – my guidance counselor and my head coach, and we start we start calling schools and telling them that I committed to Notre Dame and thanking them for recruiting me. I mean, that's just how it was done back then. Who uh, who all? Oh, how the times changed. Oh, now it's oh, portal, and now it's twelfth hour. I didn't, I didn't and, have yeah. any adult males that didn't coach football calling me on Saturday nights. That's for sure. That's kind of <laughs> creepy. But, uh, <laughs> or, or or with us. Me. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no DM. <laughs> no, no DM. No. Good stuff from Kaz. We'll spend a few more minutes uh, with Coach Kaczynski, dive into some NFL uh, Tuesday with Kaz. Tale Varsity Radio were presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Rick Kaczynski's with us. Uh, Hale Varsity Radio Tuesdays with Kaz. Uh, a thought here, Nebraska, speaking of, of recruiting, Nebraska's done pretty well in the portal. Uh, with uh, some of their acquisitions, they were able to get both quarterbacks. They had targeted Purdy uh, from Florida State. And, of course, uh, Thompson from uh, from Texas on top of the three they have that they'll go into spring with in, in battle and uh, try and get things some to, to, to shake out. And, you know, uh, interested to get your take here on uh, just how how you would rep it to, to get a, a clean look. I mean, you, you've got a new offensive coordinator, and when you go into spring, how do you get everyone a fair evaluation yet move the, the offense, the newness, right, on the offensive staff forward? How do you get a, get a clean look at everything you need to look at but also uh, you know, move the offense forward versus just one position? Yeah, well, I think you know the offense doesn't move forward unless you you have that one position. Sure. Um, so I think you know the the most most important thing you know, especially with the new with the new offense being uh, being installed. Um, you know, the guy who's got the command of the huddle and the guy who's who's working with the offensive coordinator on a day to day basis. I mean, you know that that guy is is going to control a lot of uh, you know. The success or lack thereof mm-hmm. of, of the offense moving forward, but I think when you look at Nebraska and where they're at, I think they got a pretty good idea of where they're at on the perimeter, where they're at on the offensive line. Um, you know, um, you should, I mean, uh, running back should fall off a log, and Nebraska should have three. I mean, it should mm-hmm. be that easy. I mean, come on, man, don't tell me you can't find a running back. So I'm sure there's one in the building there. Um, 
but uh, you know, but you know, you got to find your quarterback. Um, I think they know what they got on campus right now. So even I don't, I don't, I don't know. Those guys will get a fair amount of reps. The guys they have on campus, but I think they know what they have. They know the arm strength. They know what they can do. You know, I mean, if you're a good quarterback, you know, the system, the system doesn't make you a good quarterback, right? Good yeah. quarterbacks make 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 the system. So, you know, I'm not quite as concerned about the system or the offense. You know, it's okay. Who's who's the quarterback? And when it comes to the quarterback, it's not just it's not just you know being able to. To, to throw the football downfield, you know, there's a lot more. You know, the guys gotta like you. The guys gotta have confidence in you. Um, you know, you're you're the you're the leader on the field. So, um, you know, I think it's it's more than just finding who's got the who's got the liveliest arm, who's got the who's who throws the best ball. I think there's a lot more going to that. So, I think when you look at Nebraska, they already know what they got on campus mm-hmm. as far as that. Um. So, you know, and you're going to have two guys coming in at noon. Now, Smitty, for part of my ignorance, what's the age difference in the Thompson kid and the Purdy kid? Purdy's a kid that was a 2019-2020 freshman, and then Casey's got two years. He's 23-year-old, started about, uh, what was it, uh, all, most of last year, and, and he's, yeah. you know, 30 games, yeah. 19 touchdowns. So you've got, yeah. you've got some spacing between the two is what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah, so if you got some, but still though, you know, I, I don't think spacing, to be honest, matters anymore. You're, I mean, yeah, I'm looking at all the portal. You're, you're right? gonna end up with two. Yeah, you know, guys want to be a guy. That's that's why they're that's why they're in the portal to begin with. So you know, um, you know, and I know that's um, I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth by asking you that question, you know, and then giving you this response. No, you're good. I still think you're going to end up with two quarterbacks leaving after spring ball, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but I think probably, you know, I'm, I don't want to speak for coaches, but uh, you know, they, it's it doesn't take long to know who your guy is, man. Mm-hmm. You know, it didn't, it, you know, and then and then what you got to do is re- refine. Mm-hmm. You know, that that's that's so when you start talking about reps. You can figure out pretty early if this is your guy or not, and then you then it's all refinement, man. You know, I don't think that's any different. I know I think the refinement takes a little bit longer at that quarterback position, but I think a big, you know, on this level, any position, you know, it didn't take me long. You know, I knew Malik Collins was going to be a good player sure. before he could, you know, before he knew where to line up. You know, I just knew, okay, once he knows where to line up and he knows he's going to become an even better player, and then you just go on down the line like that. But, but uh, you know, but, but that's a position that just takes a little bit more, obviously, time and, and, uh, and refinement to, uh, to the details because you're in charge of so much and have so much on your plate. But, but as far as reps, uh, I just don't – I think they're going to know pretty quickly, you know, probably after that first scrimmage. You got a pretty good idea, um, you know who your who your guy is going to be, and then who you're working with, and then you'll find out what two quarterbacks are going to be in the portal. <laughs> Rick Kaczynski's with us, uh, AL Varsity Radio Tuesdays with Kaz. Kaz, we'll wind down with this going on to the second round of the NFL uh, playoffs. Give me uh, the quarterback you'd ride with here. Are you an Aaron Rodgers guy, Mahomes, Burrow, Josh Allen? 
What are you feeling here? As uh, it's, uh, I can tell you, I'm not a Mahomes guy because his brother's such a freaking no, I... jag off. But uh, <laughs> but I like Mahomes. But uh, I mean, I, I, I have to I have to root against him because his brother. Um, I'm just kidding. So I'm just kidding you're, not, you're not wrong. <laughs> I'm in the same boat. Yeah. I love yeah. Mahomes too, but they need to trank dart his brother and drag him away. Yeah. I mean, gosh, I mean, you just, I mean, it's, it's amazing what, what, uh, what Rogers has, has, has done, uh, especially this year. And, but I think, I think once again, though, I mean, this is, when, when you look at the playoff teams, right. And, and I've, we've said this on the show before we've talked about it on, on all levels, right. I mean, let's, yeah, every, everybody wants this great quarterback in college football. I mean, how many great quarterbacks are there? Maybe two, maybe three. Look at the NFL guys. There's not many great quarterbacks. Guess who's in the playoffs? The teams with the great quarterbacks, yeah, yeah. right? Right. So, um, you know, and, and I mean, I, I don't, I don't know if the if the Bengals got a chance, but you know, it's the first playoff win in what 31 years because mm-hmm. they got a great quarterback. You know, I don't know if they got the rest of the pieces, uh, but I mean, how do you, how do you, how do you go against Brady, right? I mean, how do you, how do you go against him? Um, you know, but uh, let me tell you, I, I just, man, Aaron Rodgers, he's got kind of got that, uh, that gunslinger to him, that, that kind of like that Favre. And it's just, just kind of the way, I don't know, I, I like that team right now more than, uh, and I don't watch, uh, you know, I'm not sitting down in front of the TV watching. It's kind of like background noise for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but I have watched some of the playoff stuff, and I just think, man, Green Bay is kind of hitting on all cylinders right now. But I, I don't know how the hell you, you, uh, you, count, out, you count out Tom Brady ever. He's he's incredible, and that was a horrible omission on my part, but it wasn't intentional. Uh, he's no. he's always there, last standing. He's incredible, but what a what a second round it'll be. Kaz, get to feeling yeah. better, brother. Thanks for gutting this out with us and talking some recruiting and transams and first cars and and signing <laughs> days and all of that. And we'll do this again next Tuesday, brother. If you're feeling like it, of course. All right, man. Thanks for having me, Rick Kaczynski, Hail Varsity Radio. Good stuff from Kaz. Mahomes has just got to be like, dude, here's here's a half-million-dollar house. I'm going to put you in an acreage somewhere near Overland Park. Just send him to Alaska. S- stay away. <laughs> you want to give him the Jesse Pinkman treatment? <laughs> hey, you're wanted. Hey, call this vacuum repair shop for yeah. me. And uh, here's a new license. Welcome to Nebraska. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. What final time tomorrow on the show? Andy Markowski back with us. Talk some Husker hoops, men and women's. We'll run down Mike Babcock, Shuey, a jock doc. Big, big thanks to uh, Coach Kaczynski today, Mitch Sherman, and uh, Steve Marek with us. So the odds are out in Vegas. You have Rich Biasacha, the uh, interim head coach, who really did a pretty good job. If you just think about all the the BS that uh, Vegas went through with Gruden and then, is it Ruggs? 
for for rugs and Arnett kind of both yeah, had their issues. Rugs and yeah. Arnett and and still got to the postseason. You've got an in, inconsistent quarterback. Not that he is the problem, but he's more talented with his arm and his legs, and, and he doesn't deliver a lot of wins compared to his skill level, in my humble opinion. So you have Oak Vegas. <laughs> Looking around. Someday I'll get that right. Jim Harbaugh, per the Vegas odds makers, are saying, look, the Michigan coach is a 2-1 to one favorite to land the job. That's pretty good odds. And if I'm Harbaugh, do I go there? Do I look at some other openings? Uh, Mike Tomlin's 4-1. to one, But Pittsburgh's kind of like the mafia. Once you get in, you really never get out. <laughs> and and then there's that. You have Miami that's open. Uh, and it's uh, interesting to see where Vegas goes. I thought it was interesting that Vegas let Mike Mayock go. That that's I mean I they've I get whiffed it. on their first. I mean Jacobs is good. Uh-huh. I mean I think he's been fine. Their first round picks have been a bit of a nightmare. And he's had issues clearly identifying character well, in the care. draft process. He doesn't care. That's what I'm. But can we talk about how quickly he turned around this this Vegas team? They were for a decade one of the worst teams in the NFL alongside the Cleveland Browns. Mm-hmm. And when he stepped into the job, he was able to take them from worst team in the AFC West to a playoff team in three years. Yeah, they were they were a perennial like four and twelve, five and eleven. Yeah, they got good draft picks. Their first round guys were were not character guys, but they were talented guys. And where they've made their money is fourth round and above. I mean, look at what, he, look at what he's done with those guys though. Darren Waller, uh, Max Crosby. There's just Hunter Infra. There's so many guys. The Crosby's in that roster. A, a fifth round guy. And and you've and, and Crosby and and Waller are both rehab guys too. Bless their heart. I mean, coming back from from alcohol abuse like they they were involved in. So, yeah, I mean, Mayock's – here's the thing. Mayock had, would, would, had a good working relationship with Gruden. I mean, they were on the same page. And just quite frankly, some of their Bama guys haven't panned out. I mean, Leatherwood's kind of a nightmare. I mean, where you drafted him at tackle, now he's playing guard. Ruggs is a freaking disaster with his decision to get behind the wheel and then – do nothing while someone perishes on fire. Mm-hmm. Let's throw away the keyworthy. So once Gruden left, this thing could have been three and fourteen. So I consider the guy that that <laughs> kept the ship from hitting more icebergs. But if you can go get a guy uh, as as talented as Harbaugh, maybe you do it. Back tomorrow at four. Thanks.